<laughs> I don't. I literally have no idea what we're gonna talk about. So. <laughs> well, you had time. You could have looked over my notes. Do you want to pause? Go back. Reset. No. Okay. Swing it. Fuck it. Crash and burn it. Just it's like a, everything else. It's election night, 2020, at the time of this recording. And I'm sure everybody got exactly what they wanted. There's no civil uprest, unrest. Uprest? Uprest would be good for the country. (laughs) (laughs) There's no civil unrest. Everybody's appeased. Nope. All right. I guess I'm running this show, guys. That's what we're doing right now. I can't get any responses. It's an important course of action. If you pour it improperly. It is. It doesn't fit in the glass. Some would say it's like a keystone event for our fucking our podcast. Every episode, starting with a brand new beer. Mm. <laughs> All right. But if you haven't, guys, you got to go back and you got to listen to Game Night Part Three because it took two and a half hours for me to edit that motherfucker today. My back hurts. And I'm still here for you, bitches. Kristen worked today. <laughs> She hates her husband. Yes. No. I'm flailing. No, I, I'm doing a thing where uh, once a week, randomly, for some reason, um, or not once a week, one week out of some random month of the year, you do a thing called work through where you basically, out of a nine hour shift, get like a 20 minute break to mm-hmm. eat your lunch and that's it. And then my reward for that is on Friday, I get to leave work early. So I'm very excited about Friday. <laughs> it's only Tuesday, and I'm already exhausted. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have faith in you, and I'm doing everything I can to make it better for you. You got nice chili that was slow-cooked all day. Very excited. The apartment smells really nice. We're going to just bum out on the couch and watch something. But that's not what we're doing right now, Brett. What no. are we doing right now? Right now, we're just trying to get Kristen happy. <laughs> to say we're doing a two-star Tuesday. Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting mistakes were made, and we're bringing you yet another edition of the two, 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 Tuesday, day, 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 day. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the badass bitch back in the gym, week seven, Kristen Bloom, my fantastic, beautiful wife. And the booty is popping. And the booty's popping. We're here today to talk to you about 2015's Knock Knock. Knock, knock. <laughs> <laughs> when I see Eli Roth, I get excited. When I get see Keanu Reeves, I get twice as excited. When I see that they're working together, three times the excite. And then this happened to me. Really? And I don't know how to feel about it. Were you hurt real good? All my heroes at once just shut down my throat. <laughs> um, yeah. I, did you did you get a chance today to read any like other people's opinions about the movie? It's pretty much universally hated. I saw one four star review, and uh, it was a person who was basically like, "This movie's got tits in it," and that, that's pretty uh, much all they had. I was just wondering, They're like, if you it, get to see them without clothes, and it's like, yeah, porn's free. I was just wondering if anyone was desperately trying to dig deeper and find some meaning to this that maybe no. I just didn't find. There but. was one argument that I saw that I can bring up here in a little bit, which is, is this satire or is this supposed to be taken seriously? And if you look at it through the lens of satire, this movie's actually kind of fun. But I hated it. This thing came in with a budget of $2.5 million. You want to take a swing at how much it made? 30000 you are really fucking close. Really? Yep, for the price of a brand new 
2012 Honda Civic, $34,000. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm super lowballing. Sitting there going, I don't know about a brand new Civic, but maybe a 2012 model. Oh, uh, Kiana, you didn't pull through. No, I don't think they even got Kiana's rate. Oh, God. <laughs> I got an eight deck on this movie. Jesus, man, that's a huge loss. What production company did this book? There were four. I think it started with Lionsgate, as most of Roths do, and then it got dropped and dropped and dropped. Because and... it sucks. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, 2015's Knock Knock. It's got a 37% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, a 20% audience score. IMDb, strangely a bit more generous. They gave it a 4.9. No shit. Yeah. Where do you sit with it? Uh, if we're going by Rotten Tomatoes scores, probably no higher than 30%. Yeah. It was pretty bad. I'd be right there, 25 to 30 yeah, uh, IMDb, probably a good solid three <laughs> at best. <laughs> at best. Um, A.K.A. the exact same score, because it's out of ten. Wake up, love. Yeah, well, eat a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to relate. Um, directed by Eli Roth. Um, the screenplay was also done by Eli Roth, and... Um, Guillermo Amando? I'm probably butchering that, my bad. Okay. And uh, Nicholas Lopez. We thought it was Guillermo del Toro when we saw it pop up. Well, on yeah, the I was like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> I was like, this is about to be the greatest masterpiece that's ever been created. Well, I saw Eli Roth's name first and then a Guillermo after it, but I didn't get enough time to read the last name before the credit rolled on. I was like, there's no fucking way Guillermo is working for Eli. <laughs> like, no. The weird shit is, I don't even know how old Eli Roth is. I don't, he could have been he's like... He's Yeah, he could he, be like an established legend and he's like 70 years old or he could be 35. I have no fucking He's clue. keeping his youth by absorbing the piss-poor credits of his god-awful movies. <laughs> That's how Somebody's he not an Eli Roth fan. No, I can't believe you like his shit. It's so bad. It's, they're fun, normally. No. They're normally no. fun. Hostel's fun. This went to Sundance. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's amazing. All right. Well, let's get into it. Where do you want to start, sweetheart? Uh, we got a few characters in a synopsis. Okay. Well, which one do you want to start with? Uh, characters. Okay. So, drum roll, please. <laughs> our opening character, our MC in this film, is Evan Weber, played by, whoa, Keanu Reeves. You might know him from the Matrix trilogy. You may know him from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You may know him from Lake House. You might know him from Lake House. You might know him from just being a cool dude. This movie, not so much. Not so much. And the next one we've got up is Lorenza Lizzo. Izzo, not Lizzo. Lorenza Izzo plays Genesis. She's the brunette chick. She's uh, also been in our previous two stars. She was in Green, Green Inferno, Inferno, also an Eli Roth production. Also really dumb. It and might have been better than this, though. By I far. hated it. It might have been better. By far. At least that one had the gore. Sure. <laughs> it had the Eli Roth signature shots. Yeah, there was shockingly it's little. It's in my notes. I'll get All there. Right. Next up, we got Ana, Del, uh, Ana de Armas as Belle. She's the blonde female character. Hell yeah. Ignacia Alamond as Karen Alvarado. That's our mom. That's uh, Evan's wifey. Dan and Megan Bailey as Jake and Lisa. Those are the kids in this movie that we only see pretty much at the very beginning and the very end. Mm-hmm. 
And then Aaron Burns as Lewis. He's our assistant. He's the one and only character who dies in this movie. And he had the greatest line. I wish I'd written it down. The fucking... Yeah. yeah. Where did he say he was from? I'm on the other sense and I'm on from Compton. He didn't didn't say Compton, but it was like... Yeah, he was like, I'm ghetto. Or he was like, I know some ghetto bitches. He was basically like, I'm ghetto and gay. I don't give a fuck about you. (laughs) Barking up the wrong tree, bitch. Colleen Camp is Vivian. Uh, that's the, I think she's a physical therapist, the mm-hmm. one that pops in and sees him cheating and then does not tell his wife for some reason. Yeah. And oddly enough, she is a cameo performance. This yeah. film is apparently based off a film from 1977. I think it's called Game Night, but definitely don't quote me on that. Um, I've never seen that film, and apparently she played one of the main chicks in the original film. Huh. So, a similar premise, like... I think it's almost exact, but set in 1977, so it's probably like an exploitation, sexploitation film. It was probably better. Yeah, and so (laughs) she's a returning role. Instead of playing one of the girls, she plays the physical therapist this go-around, or she might have played the mother in the original. I'm not sure. Um, And then you've got, more importantly than any other character in the entire list, Otto the dog. He plays... Monkey the dog. Monkey the dog. Otto plays monkey the dog. (laughs) Otto the dog plays monkey the dog. (laughs) This opportunity, because he had big bat-like ears, should have named him Batman. Batman. Uh, Synopsis? (sighs) Dude gets left alone. Then you have, like, this moment where, like, I'm all wet. Can I come inside? Then they fuck, and then they fuck him up. They leave. Basically, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Keanu's What wife is that and... movie with the chick that where that line is the big line? Like it's raining outside, she shows up at like the teenage boy's house. It's one of those like lampoon movies. I have no idea. I'm all wet. Can I come inside? I have no idea. All right. <laughs> Can't help you on that. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically Keanu's wife and kids go to the beach. He stays home to quote unquote work. Proceeds to spend his evening fucking two young girls who come over and seduce him. And then they try to destroy his life because he fucked them. Interestingly. Well, I've got some some notes here. (laughs) Hopefully uh, we can expound on it a little bit. Um, First up, I've got, because I'm... We're, we're a new two-star Tuesday. I can't just go all in. Trust me, we will go all in. But I need to discuss some things um, that are positives to this dog you shit. You found film. some? I thought of it. Uh, I, You're like, I dug deep. I didn't dig super deep. It only took me like 20 minutes to draw up my notes. But I did a lot of shit today, and I thought about the film trying to find redeeming elements. And then I read a couple of reviews and came up with the sole second half of the list. They're like, oh shit, I even forgot that happened. So uh, the first one that I want to bring up is I've never seen female on male rape in a movie before. Yeah, and I, I I wonder if to some extent it's, I guess maybe if this movie is a satire, then it doesn't really matter. But I wonder if to some extent if it's really even all that sensitive about it because... It is a real thing that happens that yeah. gets swept under the rug and that men feel ashamed to talk about. And um, they kind of poke fun a bit that these girls have clearly been raped as children. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of rape him, but he also kind of participates because he's trying to get his hand untied. So it never really feels like Be he Be careful feels... with your words there, love. 
Well, it never... It's like, no, she let him fuck him just so she could try to get her Well, no, it never really feels like we get... For that... For how traumatic this movie is uh, in a hypothetical world, if something like this happened to someone, it would be a pretty traumatic experience. Like, Especially to have it posted on Facebook at the end of the film. Yeah, mm-hmm. like they destroy your home, destroy your career, destroy your marriage, and yeah, he cheated, and that's really fucked up, and I don't feel that bad for his character, but he doesn't necessarily deserve the level of trauma they inflict on him, and like, we never see Kiana's character ever really all that emotionally traumatized by it. He's just yeah. like the only point. I don't we think see... Keanu does emotion. True. <laughs> it's just, whoa. True. Um, <laughs> the only time we ever really see him react is when he kind of comes to the realization that he thinks they're going to kill him. And then he just says the F word a lot. Yeah. He has a really cool, like Scarface level. Fuck you. Fuck this. Fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's, that's the only reaction we get from him. It like, he willingly slept with the girl initially, and then, yeah, she does come back around and force him into it, and he kind of participates to try to get himself out of the situation. Mm-hmm. But we never have a moment afterwards where the character's like, Coping I was raped, I was stabbed with a fork, mm-hmm. they destroyed my house. Like, we never yeah. get that release of tension from Kiana, so it kind of feels like it's kind of also brushing it under the rug. Yeah, but I just thought it was interesting that they even, you know, approach that angle. Like, I've seen male-on-male rape in a horror film. That's mm-hmm. your... Uh, you sure got a pretty mouth? That fucking movie. Uh, not The Departed. It begins with the D. The kid with the banjo. They rape the fuck out of that dude in the woods. You don't remember? I don't know. You don't know that movie? Maybe. I don't know. It's like... All right. Well, I've seen male-on-male rape there. I've seen. You upset with me for not remembering a movie. <laughs> it's okay. I can't believe I can't remember. It's all. Uh, but yeah, you've seen male-on-male rape in the genre before. You've seen definitely male-on-female rape in the genre. It's a trope at this point in the genre for you know the female hero character films like *Spit on the Grave* or *Last House on the Left* or films of that ilk. So you see that quite a bit. Um, I've seen male on his own son rape given uh, a Serbian film. And spoiler alert, if you've made it all the way through and you didn't think he was going to fuck his kid, he winds up fucking his kid. It's fucked up. Don't watch that movie. It's bad for you. But this is the first time I've ever seen like a female in, I think, any genre rape a man. So I thought it was interesting to note it. I think it's that much more creepy because... She's wearing his daughter's clothes. That when she was super does fucked it. up. And she, she's wearing his daughter's panties and pulls his daughter's panties off and throws them in his face. And they're like laying on his face and he's like trying to get them off. And I'm like, I think that honestly makes it creepier yeah. than just the action itself. Like he's getting molested by an adult wearing his daughter's clothes. So then mm-hmm. you have this like moment where it's like we're kind of crossing yeah. borders of. It's almost like in his mind, he's being raped by his daughter. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Again, if they would have like truly popped the tension bubble on that, I think it would have been incredible. You know, like the, there's so much that's like right next to the surface. It, it just the fact that he's been raped and he's been exploited. Any sort of emotional reaction, mm-hmm. please, no God, don't do this, would have added an element to the film and. That was the most twist of the knife scene for me, I think, in the whole films, where she comes out, she lifts up the skirt, and it's got the little girl's panties on, and it's like, oh, this is, that's Eli Roth, we're back. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and, uh, like, I am curious, because she 
has like an outburst and starts slapping him in the face during that scene, like asking why her dad did that to her. But they also trick him into thinking that they're underage when they're not. So mm-hmm. I wonder if she really was raped as a child or if that's just like how her. much like the muddied up perspective. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. is that just like some like fucked up persona she's got going on in her head or did that really happen? I wish we had explored like even the mm-hmm. bad guys like side a little bit more. Like it would have been nice to have seen him dealing with the trauma and whether or not these are all just delusions in her head or if it's real trauma she's dealing with as well. So yeah, it, would, it could have been an interesting exploration, maybe. I, it, <laughs> I'm struggling with finding any positives. It's okay. I did not like this movie. Um, I I liked that they used the homewrecker motif as a, a game for Genesis and Bell in the movie. Like there is this, like that's their literal game. They want to run around and destroy happily married men. You know, he doesn't want to be destroyed. He's not seeking out the behavior. You Mm -hmm. know, technically, he does let it enter the house. And technically, you know, midway through a double blowjob, he's like, fine, fuck it, whatever. Um, But that's like his only involvement. He wasn't out in the club seeking it. The homewrecker found its way inside. Yeah. And again, I wish they had explored this a bit more because we start off with their... um, to what he thinks are adult women coming into his home that seduce him and he thinks like this is just a consensual mm-hmm. thing they immediately turn on the crazy the very next morning by yeah. trashing his kitchen sucking down syrup and fucking yeah eating out of the dog food bowl <laughs> um and then like for no real reason like we switch to the pedophile angle um mm-hmm. even though he clearly thought he was having sex with two consenting adult yeah, women. Yeah, she's like, I'm 15, and it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> Don't buy that I, at like, all. I, I thought really in the movie she probably was, because we literally watched um, Amy the other day, and the teenager in the movie was played by a 30-year-old woman. So yeah. I, I thought for like a good bit of the movie, like she is 15, but then I was like, ah, but they're also crazy. Maybe they're fucking with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I... I I think that's curious that they chose to switch to the pedophile angle and then at the tail end of the movie revealed they're both over 18 and they just want somebody to refuse to fuck them. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I like I, I wish there had been a more like clear, definitive, like what's their angle? Well, what I like about that move, you know, now that you've kind of brought it up is... By showing them nude and over-sexualizing them and then immediately turning them into these children, you know, these teenagers that are, you know, eating out of the dog food bowl and sucking down syrup and all this, like, hardcore teenage behavior. You almost put the onus on the audience to feel as guilty as Keanu is supposed to feel when they flip the rug and go, I'm 15 years old. And it's like, oh, shit, the directors made me sexualize these women. That's true. And now... I am in the same position Keanu is. What? She was 15? Holy fuck, I just saw her tits and I high-fived my best friend. You know? That's true. I'd like, I... Which they're kind of just off the rails characters anyway, so maybe mm-hmm. they don't necessarily need, like, clear motivation. But I, I am just curious, like... I guess that's one instance where it might have been nice to have seen a little bit more backstory to the villain. Because, like... I don't know... If they got raped as kids, so they're mad and just trying to destroy men's lives in general. I don't know if 
dad took off and left, mm-hmm. so they're trying to break up marriages. Like, what the deal is, like, is it about pedophiles? Is it about cheaters? Is it about both? Yeah, is it like a presumptive look into the future toward the Me Too movement? Which men, side is Eli fucking with? Or right are men just trash? Or are men just trash? I'm, <laughs> I'm not teasing. trash. I'm teasing. <laughs> when, when you got mad at Keanu, I got mad at Keanu. I was like, let them in the house. Give them a towel. I'm not washing their clothes. You guys can wait outside. I'll throw your... I I know the rice trick. I can do that in my kitchen. Yeah, I just... I I think that's probably He broke with five minutes left on the Uber call. Get the Uber driver into the house with you. Now you've got another... Yeah, get them into the... In a Mercedes. Get them into the house with you and be like, hey, can you hang out for a minute? For some weird reason, they decided to start licking assholes in the bathroom. (laughs) But I, I think for me, that's maybe um why this movie is problematic because it just makes everybody look bad like there's not any clear focus on it like kiana uh what's this evan evan oh, i thought you forgot his last name I no like, i Reeves. forgot his character's name uh evan's like established up front because i don't want to keep referring to kiana because he's a decent dude and it's like oh he's a cheater yeah, and keanu reeves is fucking children you heard it here first <laughs> Mistakes were made podcast, two star Tuesday, fucking election night. (laughs) No, so like Evan's character is established up front as being flirtatious from his wife's perspective. Yeah, Um, but she also kind of comes off as a prude. Yeah, definitely. Um, It's like, oh, you you old devil. And it's like, I ain't seen your underwear in 20 years, love. Yeah, and he he says they haven't had sex in a couple of weeks, and she's, like, snippy and, like, mentioned something about, like, uh, all the work she's been doing lately. But, like, in the description for this movie, like, if you read any of the, like, synopsises that are, like, actually attached to this movie, they describe him as a devoted, loving dad, father, whatever, you know, every single time. And, like... Why do we establish up front he's a flirt? Like, why do we not establish him as a loving, committed father and see him playing with the children? And, yeah, maybe his wife just hasn't put out in a while, so there's a little bit of tension there. And then these young women come in, and I wish he wouldn't cave so quick. Like, he he Mm -hmm. puts up with so much up front. But I kept going, good move, Keanu, because, like, they kept trying to surround him, and he kept standing up from the couch and moving to the other side of the room, or, hey, let me go see if the clothes are dry. Like, there there were some steps there that if they'd been more impactful moves, like, get the fuck out of my house. Yeah, and I mean, I, I feel like... To some extent, maybe it's believable. There are definitely dudes out there who don't intend to cheat that might be pulled in a bit more readily if their own relationship is kind of fizzled mm-hmm. and um, these young, attractive women are being that overt. But I feel like there might have been a little bit more like resistance initially up front from yeah. most people. And like I wish there had been a little bit more like, uh, you know, and then... He's a, he's a married man with two kids. I'm 29 years old. We have no kids. I've seen tits. You're not blowing me away with tits. (laughs) But like... I have tits. Let me in your house. My wife has tits. I'll wait for her to come home. (laughs) But but it came so quickly to fuck them. And then they go so quickly to crazy. Like... Yeah. Like... I really wish there had just been a little bit more aftershock in the morning where, like, maybe he should have been drinking and he was a little buzzy and made a bad decision in the morning, like, in the sober light of day. He's like, oh, shit. But they're sober the whole movie. He's making all these decisions with a clear, level head. Yeah. It took one hit off a pipe. 
and, and fucking ruined his marriage. Yeah, and like I, I, I think I maybe needed a bit more contrast like that to buy into this story. Like the next morning, kind of have that moment where it's like, fuck, I fucked up, and mm-hmm. then. Their crazy starts coming out the more he rejects yeah, them. Yeah, they're crazy. Oh, shit. They're 15. Yeah. Oh, fuck. They I, got it on video. God damn. <laughs> and then I need some kind of justification for why we hardcore sharp turn back into their motivation is just they want a married man to turn them down. Like, I, I want it to either be about the fact that one of them was abused as a child or one of their dads walked out or one of their dads cheated or, like, I need some kind of motivation because it feels like it's just, like... They're just trying to yeah. fuck with his head, and that's all that it is. It's just like, oh, we convinced you to sleep with us. Yeah. We're children. <laughs> Jokes. We just wanted to never ruin mind. your marriage. You're never going to have sex comfortably again in the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. like I, You're I, never going to trust another woman. And you know what could have averted it? Keanu could have punched them with his good hand at any point. I kept yelling that. I was like, hit him. Hit her. Hit her. Hit her. Just hit her. You got that whole other arm right there, son. I know your left hook is not as good as your leading front with your right, but you can... <laughs> and, like, you and I, if we're kind of, like, at work all day, we don't really text or whatever, yeah. but, like, when we're, like... No, I'm not advocating beating up women. No, I know. Kristen, no, like, I you're going to come home from a bad day at work. Uh, and be like, that's not, that's but not what I was getting never at. never in a position where I can't get two crazy bitches out of our apartment, I'm doubling down. I'm putting <laughs> one hand a piece... I wasn't even going there. But no, like, you and I don't, like, text um, if we're, like, working or whatever necessarily. Like, we'll kind of be like, hey, how's your day going? And then I hear from you at the end of the day or whatever. Or you hear from me at the end of the day. But, like, I feel like if we had a day off and I was at the beach with our kids, I'd probably be texting you a bit more. Sending or pictures be... of the kids. Yeah, or... and, like, the fact that he goes off the radar for so much of the movie and his wife doesn't hear anything from him and then she doesn't hear from the assistant who's supposed to be delivering her artwork. Like, at some point, you'd think the wife would be like, shit's going down. (laughs) So I feel like it's weird to end the movie with the wife and two children just showing up at home and the daughter being like, or the son or whoever it was, being like, oh, dad had a party. Yeah, how many of these parties is dad having? Yeah. Dad is a retired DJ. He's not an active DJ. If he was throwing house parties on the, you know on the weekends like what's, and then he just threw one at the house while the family wasn't in you'd be like oh shit dad hasn't cleaned up yet like what's your opinion he's an do architect you, <laughs> do you think the movie is like meant to be serious or do you think it's a joke i think that parts of it for the sure ending felt like a joke yeah well a lot of it really felt like satire I read a thing earlier that tried to argue that it was an erotic thriller, but that even falls in line for satire for me because there's not enough sex in the film to make it an erotic thriller. And there's not enough thrill. (laughs) Which leaves me at satire. And my main argument that it would be a satire as opposed to like a, a film that's truly taken are some arrangements that I want to talk about later concerning Eli Ross' signature in a lot of his films. Um, it doesn't leave you with an Eli Roth ending. It doesn't play like an Eli Roth film. It plays like, oh, look how easy home invasion movies are. Let me reverse the roles. How do you feel now? Were you okay when we were raping the babysitter? What if we raped Keanu Reeves? <laughs> I think for me, the only flip side here where it doesn't work is like what you were talking about a second ago with uh, home invasion movies where the victim is a female. It's a lot more believable because realistically, I've 
been going to the gym and been working out. And even if a year from now I had had an entire year's worth of working out and trying to build up my strength and stuff like that, if you and I were put in an instance where I had to physically overpower you, I would not be able to overpower you even if I had spent that much time. But that's why it feels like satire because Keanu never beats them up. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, you've taken away his, you know, masculine ability to... And I'm, I'm not saying that every man can beat up every woman. By no means. I've been punched out by a girl. I I completely get it. But nine times out of ten, that fight's not in your favor. And they took away Keanu's ability to defend himself with his shoulder injury. But I feel like even if you had a bad shoulder, if it came down to physical aggression... Start kicking you in the chest, headbutts. Yeah, I feel like if it came down to physical aggression at that level, I would have to have the element of surprise to be able to overpower you. Mm -hmm. And there is the one instance where she cracks him in the back of the head. um, With the statue. Yeah, with the statue, and that's when they tie him to the bed and you get the whole rape scene. But he gets tied into a chair later, he gets... Um, tied, tied up, up with, with a garden, garden hose. hose. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, how did they have time to do these elaborate, like, how many times yeah. this rope has been wrapped around his body where he didn't eventually kick one of them off at yeah. some point? And even... Or, like, get a kitchen knife. Like, get a paring knife, take one of those bitches hostage. This whole story's fallen to pieces. Yeah, and, like, even <laughs> in um, the house when he's trying to, like, kind of physically move them both, like, he seems to be struggling way more than I find believable. Yeah. And I think that's... Part of why this movie, even if it is satire, doesn't work for me. It comes off like BDSM softcore pornography. Like, it, it doesn't come off as like a fully actualized plot line. Yeah. It's like, this feels like Eli Roth, you know, wants to be tied up by two women and tortured instead of... Yeah, and the fact that at the end they're both just like... interesting because it flips his normal motif on its head too (laughs) but the fact that at the end yeah they're like oh haha we weren't really gonna kill you boom walk away and that's it and that's Mm -hmm. the only um like resolution we get to the movie feels just kind of flat for me like i Mm -hmm. don't buy necessarily that too young thin you know probably honestly if we're being sincere not that strong women came into a house and overpowered a dude by themselves that many times. Like, he moves locations and moves the way that he's Mm -hmm. tied up so many times in the movie that I'm like, is he even trying to get away? He outweighs you by 115 pounds, and he used to be Neo. Yeah, like, he he trips. Oh, I think she does have the gun at that point, though, so I guess I'll give her that. I was going to say, he trips in the driveway and drops his knife, and he ends up back in the house later. It's like... But, okay, yeah, at that point she did have a gun, so maybe he's a bit more willing to comply. But I just, I don't know. Like, I don't... I I... like the inclusion, though, at the end, as far as dropping it off, walking away, not knowing why they've done this. I liked the inclusion of Facebook, and it creates the dimension. Like, they didn't create a before dimension like we've talked about before as far as the writing itself goes. But showing that we're going to post your rape on Facebook leaves an after dimension where his wife's coming in the door, he's buried in the backyard, the sex tape is being played for all of their friends, all of her artwork is destroyed, and then it cuts. And it's like the blow-up that is going to happen as they try to sort this out is left in the fictional realm, and the viewer's been pulled out of that whole experience. So it creates a continuance of his life. I don't see him 
getting out of I'm that. arguing just based on pure <laughs> pure two star conversation. No, I know. I just I'm say, not fucking any chicks. No, I know. I'm not I just, destroying I'm your not artwork. I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you. I feel like, like you're staring at me no, like you're, you're mad. No, at me. Like, no, I'm just like, because I'm like trying to picture what the aftermath to that would be because. A shit show. Um, well, on the one end, you have him buried in the yard and he's clearly been beat up and been stabbed and stuff so you could argue to some extent he's like i didn't put myself here well yeah you lewis could, is dead you could argue to, well they did send a text that's supposed to frame him but you could argue to some extent where the wife would walk in and be like oh my god what happened to you like somebody yeah. has clearly done this to you but he damned himself. Yeah, Lewis buried me down here and then I got out and I killed him and I put myself back here. But he damned <laughs> himself in the section of the film where they did film the sex because they didn't film the sex the first go around. The only section of film they, f- or the only section of them having sex that they filmed is where she's on top of him wearing his daughter's clothes and he's fucking her, calling himself her daddy. And yeah. it's like, I get in that moment he was trying to get himself untied, but it's like, how incriminating does that look? Yeah. Like, Nobody's gonna watch that and go. You were at least a little involved. <laughs> Get yourself, uh, you know. No, I, I, I think we're slipping on slippery territory when we start talking about, you know. I'm just saying. You, no, you no. liked it a little bit no, in the context just, of rape. I'm, I don't mean it like that. I'm just saying from a third party perspective. <laughs> if that were a real video, like most um, skeptical people wouldn't watch that and yeah. be like. It looks a bit like you were enjoying it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that would be reality. Like, even if... Uh, no, it is the reality. of When we have the high school, you know, hot teacher rapes the child, everybody's like, oh, I wish I had that teacher yeah. when I was a kid. But if you flipped it on its head and you found out some 35-year-old was fucking your daughter, you'd kill him with an axe. Yeah, but then there's a question <laughs> rape victims do get asked, though. Yeah. Like, well, what were you wearing? It does. <laughs> we're talking about it right now. There's already fucking confrontation. You're taking it personally. I'm not taking it. I've never been raped by a woman. Never been raped by a man either, for the record. You're like, let me elaborate. (laughs) You are taking it personally. I'm not upset with you. What's our next point? Okay. Um, So what are the benefits and the fallbacks of using an established star? My first one that I've got is it exposes the flaws in the other actors. And the second one I have is the flip side of that exact same question. Keanu looks bored as fuck in this movie. So what are the upsides and downsides to to using them? Because immediately you're like, they're trying to act up to Keanu Reeves. And by the end of it, you're like, Keanu doesn't want to do this film. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there are a lot of benefits, to be honest. And even in well-done movies... You can do it in drama. Why can't you do it in horror? Why doesn't it work there? I think it depends on the level of stardom. I think once you hit um, A-list celebrities, which I don't know, I don't know what the qualification for is it for A-list is. I don't know if Keanu is technically considered an A-list celebrity, but like based on the Matrix for sure. Yeah. But like when you watch even like well done Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie movies, I still have a hard time seeing past Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie mm-hmm. or whoever you know that is at that level of stardom because they have such a significant presence on the screen um i don't know that there is a benefit i think if you're doing a low budget film it's a really bad idea to have an accomplished is it the budget is that the the argument because like i could get past seeing brad pitt and 
seven. I can get past seeing him in Fight Club. I'm not sitting there going, oh, that's Brad Pitt being was, Brad Pitt being bit, God's only Brad Pitt. He was a bit younger in those two, though, so I think maybe he had... Well, even in the fucking Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't the only like accomplished actor in that, though. He was surrounded by other True. people that were also accomplished. So yeah, Pacino was in it. <laughs> yeah, I think when you do a lower-budget film where you can't really afford the set or you can't really afford the other like mm-hmm. high-skill actors, like you're kind of damning your movie to fail because then your accomplished actor sticks out like a sore thumb. And um, I've never... Uh, done like a feature film or anything like that but I have done acting before and like if your partner that you're in your scene with isn't giving the same level of energy it's really hard to carry the scene through because mm-hmm. you feed <laughs> off of each other so I, I think to have him working with people that are I'm not I'm, everybody starts somewhere I'm not trying to like dog yeah. on anybody um, but they're, they're not at the skill level that Keanu is no period. it should be um, obvious <laughs> yeah and when, when and that's you not have... saying anything at all I was gonna ask you I don't know Jodie Foster's arc as far as her thing but Silence of the Lambs you have motherfucking Anthony Hopkins that dude's been established yeah. since like Morgan Freeman's class yeah. but you can still see a Morgan Freeman or an Anthony Hopkins in a horror film I think Jodie Jody maybe went to school for it though, and I feel like there's a bit of a difference there. Like, actors... like she was closer to his level as a lower level actor. Someone who took it a bit more seriously, at least, mm-hmm. that had that level of passion for the craft. Like, I, I, I could be wrong, but I feel like Jody went to an accomplished like Juilliard like, or something like. Yeah, that. I don't, I don't know if it was Juilliard or not, but I feel like she did go to like an accomplished school where mm-hmm. she actually like studied it and learned from people that take it very seriously. And I've done. Uh, I minored in theater. I've done, um, I can't remember what the class was called, but it was a class where we had to do like monologues and like scenes and like all this like really intense stuff. And like the theater professor took it way more seriously (laughs) than I took it. Like I've been in classes with like people at MTSU that are like, this is life, you know? So I can't imagine what like an upskill acting school would be like. Like I... I would imagine they're very stringent on what they expect from you. So if she did go to school, I would imagine that's probably part of where hers came from. But and like she's it. also playing against Anthony Hopkins in that film, who got his start in professional theater. Yeah, and I'd say when you're working with someone that accomplished, they probably mm-hmm. pull it out of you, like, give me more, you know? <laughs> but um... All I want to say is, oh, hello, Clarice, and I want <laughs> you to take over the rest of the scene. <laughs> but I, I feel like... Especially with uh, low-budget B-films, and especially horror films, I feel like they're the most guilty. Like, the major criteria is that you have to be young and attractive. Mm -hmm. And so the level of skill you bring to the table isn't necessarily the most important thing. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter at all, but it's not the first thing they're looking for. It's my problem with the genre and something that I hope our class of you know, writers and filmmakers are able to do. I think we're stuck in the seventies where it's like tits jiggle. And it's like, dude, we have free porn. (laughs) Can we move horror past tits jiggle just a little bit? (laughs) So I, I think, especially in the instance of a movie like this, it's like you, you stick him with a relatively attractive cast. Mm -hmm. And that's really the only thing that like super matters, um, in this movie. And, for one, they can't keep 
pace with his skill level, so um, he's not getting the inspiration to feed back off of. So he sticks out too much compared to them, but then mm. also if he's not getting that level of energy back, his performance is starting to falter as well. And yeah, as the movie goes on, like I was not impressed with his fuck, fuck, fuck <laughs> scene. I was actually like, this is... I liked it because it felt like the only real emotion mm. that got drawn out of him. Yeah. That and the scene in the pit at the end. I mean, he was a blank slate for nine-tenths mm. of the film. The opening shot with the kids and the kids alone. There was no chemistry with his wife, but with the kids, you could tell he was just kind of fucking with the kids while he was on set yeah. that day. And then the fuck, fuck, fuck scene was like his rage moment. And I liked that to a degree. And I, I him did... scared in the pit, you know, there was a sense of desperation yeah. there. But the rest of it's just, whoa. I, yeah, and I, I did like that you got a little bit more from his character there. But I, it felt amateur to me. Like the dialogue for that scene felt really poorly written. Yeah. And then... I, I, I don't know. I, Keanu doesn't do like a lot of movies where it's like a ragey type character. So mm -hmm. maybe I'm not used to seeing that from him. But I just felt like the outburst didn't feel authentic. It, was it like, felt oh. very Pacino. Yeah, mm -hmm. it didn't feel right. So, I yeah, I, I think it's a bad idea to have an accomplished actor in a lower budget film. And like I know... Kind of flip side one for you out of the blue. Can I finish this thought real quick? Yes, um I know if you're um, trying to pitch your movie or whatever, having uh, bigger names attached typically tends to get you a bigger budget, and that stuff does actually matter. But I, I think for the love of the craft, you're better off finding a group of people that can feed off of each other mm -hmm. at the same level and the same energy and like actually produce a scene that... Um, feels authentic <laughs> would you suggest like an improv troupe for that like people who can yes and the fuck out of each other maybe i mean i guess it depends on what kind of movie you're doing i do think having um table reads and letting your actors actually kind of do the process together before you officially cast them is helpful um mm -hmm. we've never gotten to do that in any of our stuff unfortunately because <laughs> a lot of our stuff has been like tight deadlines yeah. where it's like you've got to cast it and get moving on it now because otherwise you're failing this class yeah. and your cast is you and me and <laughs> so yeah. here's our table read <laughs> um so yeah I, I think i think having table reads and like letting your actors do auditions together and actually kind of seeing what their chemistry mm -hmm. is together is honestly um really beneficial if you have the time for it is that a true benefit all the way down to the audition level you're like, hey, I kind of like Mike and I kind of like, you know, Chelsea. Let's throw Mike and Chelsea in yeah. the scene together. At eh, Chelsea doesn't really work with Mike or Mike doesn't really work with Chelsea. Bring the next one in. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of movies do that. They'll, um, even if they've got one specific character cast, if you've got your Evan character cast, they'll be like, oh, we're thinking about Rachel and Bethany and, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And we'll kind of rotate them out and see how they work with Evan. So, um, yeah, a lot of movies do that. They'll, at the audition level, be like, hey, let's see how you guys do together, especially with, like, rom-coms or something that like that mm -hmm. where you have to have chemistry. But I feel like even in movies where it's not necessarily a romantic chemistry, it's important to make sure that there is a chemistry. Yeah. So it would help, I think. Yeah. No, I think it would help the genre by tenfold um, to work more on humanizing these people. It's what I liked about Hereditary, 
It's like when that head comes off and the son goes to bed and the mother starts screaming the next morning. It's so much more than 90% of the horror genre. Yes, it shits the bed. But for a good portion of that film, it it feels like we're watching people. Like it's unsettling. It feels real, you know? It doesn't feel like some gimmicky game. But I expect a gimmicky game when I walk into Eli Roth. Or um, I've been thinking of ending things. The two characters felt like such a weird, awkward couple. But it felt so intentional that I was like, oh, these are just two lonely people Mm. that paired up and haven't quite figured out they shouldn't be together. Yeah. Um, Until you realize one of them doesn't exist at all. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like initially I was like, oh, they're an uncomfortable couple to be together with. And it was like, oh, they are an uncomfortable couple, (laughs) you know? So, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think workshop it before you settle on who's going to be in your movie and don't cast Keanu with people that nobody knows. Well, <laughs> the question I wanted to ask earlier is take it on the opposite side of the spectrum, a young Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm Street, the very first one. He gets sucked into the bed. He's the boyfriend. Like he's the (laughs) young and with a troop of quote unquote inexperienced actors to be that guy. He gets killed off early. He's not the hero of the story. He doesn't have a big, big moment with Freddy. Yeah. And look at him now. (laughs) And Johnny early in his career was a bit more of a chameleon. He... He's kind of mm-hmm. got his, like, signature yeah. performance Once he played the now. pirate, then it... <laughs> yeah, and, like... But he played Hunter S. Thompson on two separate occasions. Or, um, Edward Scissorhands. Like, mm-hmm. if you didn't know that was Johnny Depp, you wouldn't know that was Johnny Depp. Like, he blends in. So I think when you're still early enough in your career that it's not like, oh, it's Brad Pitt, you know? <laughs> like, you can get away with it more and even, um, and scream with uh drew barrymore like mm-hmm. she was she was the star and she got died yeah. immediately <laughs> and she was she was at probably the peak of her career around that time in her life like her career's kind of started to drop mm-hmm. off a bit but at that age of her life that probably was the peak of her career and she was very iconic um, but that was also craven a well-established yeah. <laughs> director who was but, like i'm gonna write you off right now so you don't know what to expect but she also doesn't interact with any of the other actors Mm -hmm. and i think maybe that helps too is you have the most iconic character in the movie and at no point does she need to feed off the energy of the other actors because she has her moment her moment is gone and then all the other characters are separate from her Mm -hmm. so maybe if you're gonna have a star maybe that is the way to do it like your star shouldn't be in with the other cast too terribly familiar yeah if they don't pair well with them at least anyway yeah you're leaving me. That was, the, that was the end of my thought. I no, have no don't, thoughts. Don't keep thinking. <laughs> I have no thoughts. Um, I may. I don't know. Maybe that's close-minded of me. Maybe. Um, I just yeah. thought it was interesting. Well, the once upon a once upon a time in Hollywood, you know, Brad Pitt did do a really good job. Yeah. He wasn't the only. But it's Brad Pitt. Margot Robbie's the yeah. other side of that. Yeah. Like, whoever his partner was, I can't remember the name of right now. Leo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so he was working with other famous people, but... can't believe I got to Margot Robbie before I got to Leo. 
But again, you've got a point. They don't play on screen at the same exact time. So it, it, it's like a diffusion of responsibility. You're not there with Al Pacino, you know, unless you're Robert De Niro. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of... Like, I can't think of offhand any other movies where, like, a major star was with just a bunch of people that were kind of nobodies. Not that, you're, not that you guys are nobodies. No. But no. you're not... You're, You're not, not Al Pacino. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, Denzel Washington's earlier films. Denzel's Denzel, but again, though. yeah. You, Denzel's the exception. What's the argument there? Because yeah, we outside of he's black. <laughs> no, I think he's an actor who has managed to even in his fame. He can fold himself into yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah, he's an actor who doesn't have a set uh, performance, and I feel like Morgan Freeman is kind of similar. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, Morgan Freeman has done some kind of gimmicky family movies where all those yeah. characters are kind of the gimmicky family movie character. But but he's driven Mrs. Robinson. He's played God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like there there are big name celebrities who don't have a performance that's like their performance. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like when you have that skill level, I can kind of forget your face a little bit, you know? Yeah. I can kind of believe that you're the character that you're playing i think with brad pitt brad pitt's kind of just this like macho character and then (laughs) like even jim carrey like he's done some movies where i was like holy shit i can't believe that was jim carrey Mm -hmm. but for the most part he's kind of this ridiculous over-the-top character so when you kind of have a signature performance it's kind of hard to be like oh yeah this is a whole new movie we've never seen you do before denzel washington is forever kicking ass but none of his characters have the same like he's not a gangster he's played Mm -hmm. a gangster but he's also played the father of a child who needs heart surgery you know (laughs) i think too which i mean he's played a crooked cop he's done you know all these different roles I think, too, part of it is uh, typecasting, which that's not the actor's fault. Hollywood does that mm-hmm. to them. But Brad Pitt kind of always plays the same type of character. And Angelina Jolie always kind of plays the same badass in movies. And it's like you don't really see those people as anything else because that's all they ever do. Mm-hmm. So so we've typecast Keanu Reeves. Is that what we've done? He does kind of have a signature performance. He Whoa. is, yeah, he is kind of the, <laughs> he is the equivalent to having a monotone voice mm-hmm. in your acting performance. Like he's not necessarily always monotone, but his performance is kind of low key. Yeah. What's your favorite Keanu performance? Oh man. Excluding Matrix, just because that's an easy, uh, holy fuck. The it trilogy. might be Lake House, just because it's an interesting performance. Um, I think I even own that movie, maybe. Um, definitely not my favorite movie ever. I'm not yeah. saying it's like this incredible movie, but it's an interesting idea for a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so what yeah. did they do right in that one? Because I've never seen Lake House. I haven't seen it in a few years, um, to be fair. So I don't really super, super remember it. But the premise is that uh, he is staying in a lake house and Sandra Bullock's character is also staying mm-hmm. in a lake house. But... And I do not remember how they get around this. I haven't seen this movie in so long. But they're in literal different times. Like he's in like 1990 or whatever. And she's in 1992 or some shit like that. And um, they're writing letters to each other and leaving them in the mailbox. And it's just kind of a cool... Yeah, they're like... Like they'll put it in the mailbox and you'll see the thing pop up. And they're like, oh God, he wrote to me, you know? (laughs) And like, it's just kind of a cool... 
It's like frequency, but with the male. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of a cool exploration of like loneliness and life and grief and stuff like that. Because I, I think one of them has like recently lost someone or something. I can't remember what the deal is, but they're both kind of isolated characters just staying at this lake house and don't really talk to anyone else. And like this exploration of like finding happiness and loneliness. And then they realize they don't exist in the same time space. So it's like, how do you meet each other? So then they plan to try to meet up. She's like, they pick a date that's like two days after for him or her. I can't remember who's Mm -hmm. in the future and who's in the past. And then the other character has to wait like two years to get to that date. So it's like such a long stretch of time for the other character to wait for someone they don't even actually oh, know. Wow. Yeah. And the other person, it's just like two days later, you have to be here. And then they miss their window and it's like, what happened? Oh, so no. yeah, it's like, it's a, it's a kind of, I mean, it's, it's a gimmicky rom-com movie, but it's like kind of a really beautiful exploration of like loneliness and like love and grief mm-hmm. and like like, what you're willing to sacrifice, I guess. So, like, yeah, it's always been a movie where I'm like, oh, that's kind of like a an interesting little yeah. side movie that I don't think a lot of people have watched that he did. <laughs> no, my favorite Keanu is um, Devil's Advocate, just because he's having to play up to Pacino. So, mm. like, for me, and I've never seen Lake House, that feels like a complete opposite. Like, it feels more of a blue film. Devil's Advocate is Pacino throwing himself into full Pacino rage as the devil, you know, and Keanu's his underling who's finding out that his boss is the Antichrist and he's having to play up his rage while all this crazy shit happens. I don't think I've you, seen it actually. I've heard of it, yeah, but I don't think I've seen I, it. I love Devil's Advocate. Like it's a lawyer movie, it's a cop movie, it's a supernatural, like heaven versus hell film. I'd never seen Constantine, but I'm guessing he took pretty much the exact same premise and flipped it over. But yeah, he Constantine's plays. Constantine's pretty absurd. Keanu plays a, a lawyer from like <coughs> Georgia or Alabama. So he's got like more of a Southern drawl to him. And then he moves his wife to New York City and gets this like dream gig as a uh, defense attorney and has to like protect a child murderer. And Pacino is, like, forcing him and, like, you know, breadcrumbing him into losing his soul as a defense attorney. And it, it's just such a wide range of emotion for Keanu. I don't think I've seen that one. I love it. Have you seen uh, John Wick? I've always heard John Wick is John good, Wick's awesome. Yeah, I've never seen it, but I've always heard it's really it, good. It's a video game film, for sure. But, yeah, John Wick... Guys break into his house, they stomp his dog to death, he shoots everybody. (laughs) I've only seen the first one, I've never seen two and three. Apparently it gets more and more like Max Payne absurd the entire way through. I've heard it's good though. Like if you're into action movies. They tie him up, they throw a gag in his mouth, and then they stomp his chihuahua to death, and he's like, fuck. Oh, it's a chihuahua? I think it's like a Labrador puppy, but they stomp his dog to death. Oh, I thought it was like a German shepherd, like a full-blown, like... No, it's a puppy that his wife gave him, and then his wife died, and so all he has left to love in the world is this puppy, and he's like raising it like I was supposed to raise this puppy with my dead wife. And then they literally stomp it to death in front of him, and he snaps. That's sad. Now I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, it's like a revenge movie for all those dead dog films you watched when you were a kid. Okay. <laughs> we have derailed from this movie. Oh, fuck it. We talked about Keanu Reeves' better films, so we did something here. Um, my last little bit that I've got is... Um, 
What are the upsides and the downsides? I know you're not an Eli Roth fan. I'm not an Eli Roth super fan. I'm a big fan of the Hostile films just because torture porn when you're 13 does that to you. But this is Eli Roth minus almost all of his signatures. Like you do get like the twisting of the knife or the fork in the shoulder. So that's technically blood. It's not blood compared to anything else Eli Roth has ever done. You get this torture with the headphone and the pedophile question. What should happen to pedophiles? Which is like this absurdist, you know, mind meld. He thinks he's fucked a 15-year-old. They're blowing out his eardrums. And that's Eli Roth minus the gore. I mean, it's no hanger upside down by her ankles. I'll slitter from cunt to throat and then bleed, you know, bathe in her blood. And an oddly tasteful sex scene for an Eli Roth film. Like you see their head. Yeah, you see their heads go down and then you get like this shadowy, you know, bodies moving over bodies. But it's not like bazinga boobs. You know, like you get in the shower scene, he does keep specifically showing the boobs pressed against the shower. Yeah, but you you don't get like hostile number one. They're having a conversation while a prostitute is getting fucked in the ass right behind them. Like you don't get the gratuity that you would typically get out of an Eli Roth film in this movie. And most importantly, at the very end, you're left with tension instead of some, like, blood-soaked retribution. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so, like, he took his own tropes and just abandoned them. Does that fail the film, or does it make the film stand out? Like, is it a better Eli Roth, as a woman who hates Eli Roth, than most Eli Roth? I think in theory, um, and this is going to sound kind of harsh, um... I think in theory, it could have been a cool film because I don't think this film needed violence. The only character death, um, they do set up the situation to happen that way, but the only character death in this movie trips and falls and hits his head. Yeah, Yeah. so it's not actually a character they purposely kill. I mean, he might have died without his respirator, but they didn't bludgeon him. Um, And I don't think we needed any more physical violence than that, necessarily, for this movie. Um, I think the problem with this movie is... I think he does rely on the shock value of the gore in his films to carry a lot of the film. Like, we're building tension through the terror and horror and... um, just violence in general that that were shocking Mm -hmm. both the viewers and the characters in the film with in a lot of his movies. So like Green Inferno, for instance, which wasn't that great of a movie either, but Green Inferno, like you have these moments where someone's literally getting eaten alive and um, Mm -hmm. they get fed their friends like body parts and all this crazy stuff. So then we get to, as an audience, fill horror with the characters as they're kind of traumatized by these events and with this movie um like you kept comparing it to like heathers and i i feel like it It was felt heathers in the acidy sort of way that it's shot (laughs) I i feel like it was and i don't know that that's the inspiration for this movie i feel like it was trying to be clever in a way where it's like you have these characters that are kind of 
outside of the norm, doing kind of outside of the norm events and kind of making mm-hmm. their statements. Um, Heather's was much more, it was quirky, but it was much more successful about it. And you have these kind of characters that you're kind of like, I'm sort of rooting for you, you know? Yeah. Um, with this movie, um, I was set up instantly to not like, Evan because he didn't try harder to avoid the situation. Mm. Um, I think if there had been a bit more tension there where he's actively really trying to distill the situation, I might have been more sympathetic to his character. Um, But he doesn't try that hard to get them out of the house. He doesn't try that hard to dissuade their interest. Um, He basically immediately caves to them coming on to him. With Um, five minutes left before the Uber driver gets there. (laughs) Yeah, and like keeps allowing the situation to kind of escalate and escalate. And like even though he moves to different chairs, he's still staying in the room with them, not discouraging Mm -hmm. them, laughing at the stuff they're talking about. He's like, oh, I've never met women like you. So like I don't find his character to be a good guy. So when we get into the portion where his character is now the character being tortured, I don't feel sympathetic Mm-hmm. And then um, the fact that the two female characters seem kind of wishy-washy in why they're doing this makes it hard to justify what they're doing either. Like, I don't know for sure because it's never really made clear if one of them was violated as a, as a child, if there's some kind of resentment towards men or father figures or whatever Mm -hmm. in general that is justifiable in their mind at least even if it's a stretch for like normal society if there was a way in their head to justify it i would be like okay well this violence has some purpose to it even if the purpose is fucked up yeah which is the argument for the first hostile movie which is these are the millionaires and billionaires and they're they're buying people to kill yeah, and there there is a story arc there. Like, mm-hmm. there is a drive to the course of action that's happening. In this movie, the characters feel so cardboard, I can't get on board with whatever it is that they're doing. And then by the end of the movie, we're just kind of left with Evan, who really only ever seems to feel bad that he got caught. Yeah. So I never feel bad for Evan. I never feel bad for the bad guys. Like, I don't know who I'm supposed to be rooting for. And I I think... I think maybe there was supposed to be some greater meaning to this movie that just got missed because I feel like Eli is used to having the shock of gore at his disposal. Mm -hmm. And maybe... So did did it need more violence to make it make sense? Or do we... I kind of view it as either this is Eli doing something on purpose, you know, like the satire angle, mm-hmm. or it's fine, I'll make a movie with minimal blood and like one tit in the whole film. And is it, you know, a man out of his element without his gimmick, or is it he's fucking with his audience? I think even if he was intentionally trying to fuck with his audience, he failed to meet the purpose that he meant. I, I don't I don't think the or the film needs more violence. I think it needs more drive. Like there's mm-hmm. not intentions behind the characters that are strong enough to carry the movie without the shock value. Um, if we're being honest, a lot of B films, whether it's 
rom-coms or horror movies or daytime dramas like that's what carries them is the shock value like those days of our lives type tv shows eli's definitely a you know shock value director he's an exploitationist Mm -hmm. you know he comes from that grain he's not a he's like wes craven meets the drive-through fucking you know black guy with a big knife (laughs) (laughs) but even like movies that don't have violence like i said like tv shows like days of our lives rely on the character that got amnesia and the love affair and the child that nobody admitted they had and they've come back and now they're gonna ruin your current relationship like they rely on shock and awe to keep viewers coming back and um yeah i think with this even if it was intentional and he was like poking fun or trying to prove a point the characters needed more than they had to give. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I I don't think it needed violence. I think it needed purpose. I agree. I, I, it feels to me, like, when I brought up the violence question, is Eli Roth is very okay with giving violence to the men in his film. And he pulled back the violence against the women in the film. Am I making sense there? Like, like ty- letting them be violent or causing violence to Well, them? typically he has a male antagonist creating horrific violence against a woman mm-hmm. in the same sort of BDSM way. Mm-hmm. Um, here the male becomes the submissive in that retrospect, but he doesn't give the female characters the same level of violence. Their dominance, yeah. Yeah. Well, violence equals dominance in the world of Eli Roth. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's no part where they go to cut his dick off in this movie. Well, she does give that as an option for a punishment, so I think maybe they wanted you to be like, ooh, but... The characters don't follow through. (laughs) Yeah, there's no... That's why I was wondering if it was just missing the visceral nature of Eli's typical things. So you're going to blow out his eardrums. He's an architect now, love. He's a retired DJ. Yeah, like that's not He can get a a, hearing aid. He doesn't need them. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a punishment. I mean, he likes to listen to music, but he also listens to it pretty loud normally. So he'll be all right. Um, There's no threat that you're going to pull his lower intestine out through his nose like there is in all the other Eli films. But there's also no justification either. Like I very, very, very strongly dislike cheaters i have very strong opinions. i can tell <laughs> it was a tense night last night because then we went to watch new girl and it was five episodes about cheating and i was like fuck it wasn't about cheating <laughs> um but yeah i i have and I, I think a lot of people do i have very strong opinions about cheaters I, i've been cheated on a lot of times Me i too. really don't like cheaters but i would never in my mind be like I'm going to purposely seduce a guy who wasn't planning on sleeping with me into cheating so that I can destroy his home and destroy his marriage and, like... Kill his best friend. Yeah, (laughs) and, like, it doesn't feel like an equivalent punishment to I came into your home and spent an hour trying to seduce you. This is literally a film of Keanu going, she was asking for it. I don't know what... Actually, it is kind of. Well, does, Are we getting does, deeper? Did no, Eli? Did, is Eli playing forty chess? He does say that. He does say, um, "Fuck, fuck, you fuck it. You fuck it. He says you wanted it, yeah, mm. or something along those lines. And like, I did feel like, if I'm being honest, I did feel like that section of the speech was problematic. Um, mm-hmm. It is true 
They did purposely. But he's screaming him. that at his rapist, so that's. Yeah. Yes. But again, it's kind of <laughs> weird for him to not be like, "You did this to me." She's like, "Oh, you fucked me," and he's like, "You wanted it," you know. <laughs> like it's it's a weird, weird line to be very carefully treading. <laughs> <laughs> well, if nothing else, Eli Roth has brought us a very awkward conversation about where we draw the lines on male and female rape. <laughs> This is, yeah, I, uh, I don't, I don't That's what think I'm he's, saying. I don't know if it's a satire or not. I don't know if he's fucking with us or not. I don't think he's comfortable without the violence. I think that's what it is. It's how I feel. I feel like he's a man outside of his element. It's I like think, you I think have he had trip. intentions that he yeah. wanted to come across that just fell flat because he didn't. I don't think he's a character, or he's a a director that relies on character growth that yeah. much. <laughs> so he expects them all to die in the first 30 seconds and then he had to keep them all alive for an hour and a half. Like <laughs> He's like, yep, I'm used to going, all right, bring out the naked girl, string her up, cut her, bathe in the blood, other naked girl. Moving on, next scene. <laughs> he doesn't... I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I stand by my 25 to 30% rating. Because he, if he was trying to do something better, it wasn't executed properly. So it does feel like a man out of the element as opposed to a man trying to play a satire, Craven with scream, you yeah. know, move. Where Craven's like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to make a movie that is completely void of any larger motif about, you know, PTSD or, you know. And I'm just going to kill these babysitters right quick. <laughs> like, it, I don't know. I might have to sit with it. I don't ever want to watch it again, if that's any consolation. It's pretty rough. It's not Keanu's best. No. Oh, shit. We went long. Made it an hour eight. If you guys want to find us, you can send us an email at nightmareboxproductions at gmail. Or you can go to youtube.com slash Kristen Bloom, where you can see all the early stuff that we worked on together. And some of it she worked on before she even met me. You'll see Kristen pre-Bloom. <laughs> or you can go to youtube.com slash nightmareboxproductions. Where you can see the dolls. You can see Happy Birthday. You can see Brainstorm. Pretty soon you'll be able to see another film. And uh, maybe a commercial. Yeah, maybe. I don't know yet. You ready to eat some chili? Yeah. I love you, sweetheart. Love you. We'll talk to you guys on Saturday or Sunday, depending on when we get around to it. Probably Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) If we're all still alive. If we're all still alive. God bless America. Land.